But good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of IP Frequently, back after our short summer hiatus, a little uh, break from the tension and uh, um, everyday uh, calamities that are going on all around us. Um, I am uh, David Pridham, joined as always, except for weeks when he's not here, by my uh, colleague, uh, L. Bradley Sheaf, who's also a member of the, uh, I'm proud to announce, IAM 300. Brad, how are you? How does it feel? Uh, well, I'm fine, buddy. I appreciate you asking. And of course it feels, uh, you know, like, like it always does. Like you've been lumped in with 299 other people of questionable value to the, uh, IP space, I think. Uh, of course you're in there as well. You've been in there longer than so I I'm, have. I'm just one, one of the 299, right, Brad? Well, I was going to say, value. That, you know, well, I was going to say that, uh, you know, in, in your case, obviously, the value is without question. You're a what I would refer to at least as a leader in the IP space. And there's other members of of our organization that are also in there, all of which I think are valuable contributors to IP. But if you look through that 300, um, you know, you'll find some that are certainly of questionable value. And what I find is, is that your value in the IP space is uh, inversely proportional to the size ad that you take out for your um, placement in the, uh, in the 300. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I lost track there, but I think that's, that's a great, um, a great, uh, great honor. So congratulations. And in honor of that, Brad, in honor of everything that's going on in this country in the middle of uh, uh, probably our last podcast during what uh, you and I like to affectionately know as the dog days of summer. How mm. about a little, Highway to Hell. Seems fitting. Well, what did you think? Well, I mean, come on, it's ACDC, right? I mean, it's probably the top metal band of their era uh and uh you know it's one of their their anthems their banner anthems and so there's really not much to say there although you know by way of a critique which you and i always like to do with our our 80s metal uh i'm i'm not sure i heard them mention ip i don't think so i don't think they did either so anyway the gop convention kicked off this week uh donald trump getting um uh, getting uh, re-nominated um, in his quest for re-election. But the, the thing that I'm really focused in on is the fact that they've done a lot with some of these special announcements. So he's he's pardoned some folks. He's done some special immigration ceremonies where folks have taken the uh, oath of citizenship. Um, he's uh, done some other great uh, activities with uh, Americans across all walks of life. Probably don't want to talk about this anymore. Let's go to the riots in Wisconsin, Brad. Any comments there? Will it impact the dairy uh, product that's being put out by the dairy farmers up there? Well, I mean, one certainly hopes not, right? I I don't actually know where Kenosha is in Wisconsin, um, but I hope that it is not uh, impacting anyone's, um, well, certainly as few people as possible's livelihoods. I mean, obviously, once again, we've chosen to randomly pick businesses and then burn them to the ground. Uh, 
with no regard whatsoever as to whether or not any of those people had anything to do with what you happen to be protesting at the time. And, uh, you know, so I, I hope that it will not impact the, the dairy industry. I also hope it will not impact the industry that manufactures those cheese hats, the triangular shaped cheese hats, because uh, I hate to think of anyone in Wisconsin head getting cold or wet for lack of said hat. So, uh, yeah. and you know, how about cheese like curd? Everybody. Have you ever had the, the fried cheese I, I, curd? I have. I, we, we were Terrific. driving through Wisconsin many years ago, the family and I, and, and my wife insisted we stop and get some cheese curds. Let me ask you a, a related question. Have you ever decided to take off your running shoe and try to take a bite out of the sole? Yes. And how was that? I'll tell you what, I had a different experience with cheese curds because it was terrific, but I, I, oh. I don't think that would be good. No, it's uh, it was t- you put them in your mouth. They were not fried. They were just like the raw oh, cheese Oh, no, curds. no, 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 no. You yeah. have to have them fried, and then you dip them in the, 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 the ranch dressing. You eat like 20 of those yes. and just lay down and die. Yeah, that may be that may be a much more positive experience. But I can tell you that you remember those old pink Super Bowls that you used to be able to get for like a nickel out of a vending machine in a grocery store. It was literally just a small sure ball of rubber. OK, yeah, that yeah. that I think is just a polished cheese curd. Let me tell you what you dip that in some uh, some breadcrumbs, you deep fry and you dip it into the ranch dressing. You're in you're in Fat City, my friend, Fat City. Brad, it's time for our new segment that's generating a lot of buzz in the um, in the industry. Um, this week in licensing, this is a, a, a new segment where you take our uh, viewers through an important aspect of a license agreement, and you help help educate them on uh, the uh, ins and outs of of doing licensing deals. So that the goal here is that folks at home start doing their own licensing deals with any number of uh, other. Uh, folks at home, and uh, I'm uh, of course we use viewer mail. This week's uh, question is from Bert. Um, Bert is in, um, well, he's uh, he's actually in Jupiter, Florida, and uh, Bert wants to know, uh, Mr. Sheaf. I know you are a, uh, a licensing professional. I'd like to know what font you use uh, when doing your license agreement, and does the font ultimately uh, sway the outcome of a license negotiation. So, Brad, I'll turn that over to you. Well, that's an excellent question. I appreciate Bert uh, sending it along. I, font is a key issue in a license agreement. I mean, a lot of people like to pay attention to things like the terms and conditions, uh, maybe the compensation, the actual definition of what is being licensed and for what purpose. Um, affiliates, things. I paid no attention to any of that. All of that is meaningless if you get the font right. Now, as any you know, good negotiator knows, the first point that you want to win on is whether or not you're going to go serif or sans serif. A great many arguments can be made on either side of that, um, but I just think you know, sans serif is, is you know, sort of like going... Uh, you know, it's almost like going commando in the sense of of the font that you're using, right? You're just missing a key component of your equipment if uh, you're not wearing a, a fresh pair of underpants. And I think you're missing a key component of your equipment if you go without that serif. So I like to go with a serifed font. 
Uh, typically something in the Times New Roman family. I, I think it speaks to your professionalism. I think it speaks uh, to your steadfastness in negotiating the uh, font that you want used. And then, as I've said, you could just ignore the rest. Uh, typically, I would go with a 12 unless uh, the person that you're negotiating with. Yes, yeah, so 12 points. Unless the person yeah. you're negotiating with is perhaps, you know, a little myopic and then you may bump it up to a 14 or even a 15. But at that like point, Mr. Magoo, getting, Mr. Magoo, you're going 15 or 16, correct? You're going to go 15 or 16 there. But then and we'll save this topic for another week. But now you start talking about margins. Right. And how you and may want to adjust the those. And, that was right, not that, that, that question is not on the table this week. And so, uh, you know, we'll leave that for another week. But I, I definitely, Bert in Jupiter, I would go with a serif font. It just kind of establishes right out of the box that you're not a man to be trifled with. And uh, and I would do something in the Times New Roman family. Oh, and there you have it. I mean, you can't you can't be any clearer than that. Uh, next uh, to our bronze Stevie Award winning segment, Barter Band. Um, so, Brad, this week, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the company has decided that we would talk about whether or not the figure four leg lock should be barred or banned. What do you, what do you think on that? Barred, banned, or, or encouraged? Oh, I, no, no, I, I, I would encourage it. I mean, the figure four leg lock, I mean, what is pro wrestling, um, without at least the threat of the application of a figure four leg lock? Right. I mean, if you, if you take that out of the game, then really all bets are off. I mean, if you're not worried about that being applied, then you can go nuts in the ring, right? But if there's that specter of a figure four leg lock, you have to take that into consideration at, at all times, whether you're in the ring, out of the ring, getting dressed in the locker room, brushing your teeth, that's a threat. Um, but uh, if you find yourself uh, on your back with, with, with the figure four leg lock applied by someone who may be a raw novice, uh, simply roll over onto your belly, uh, and then you can reverse the uh, hold, and it'll apply more pain to the uh, person who has put you in that position than you yourself. Right. And I, I mean, the one thing, obviously, David, you want to be careful of there is that you roll the right direction. If you roll the wrong direction, you're going to put yourself in the figure eight leg lock, and yeah. uh, very few no ever one's ever walk again. No one's yeah, ever come out of that. No one's no. ever come out of them. And actually, the, the right direction would be what? Southwest? Typically. Typically. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, in and this let me ask you this, obviously. Brad. In terms of the greatest finishing holds in the history of pro wrestling, um, mm. a figure four leg lock is up there, right? I mean, that has yeah, broken sure. Sure. dozens of, uh, of, of, of human legs uh, and, and some other. Um, would, would you say the figure four is the most devastating? Uh, finishing hold, or if not, what do you think is more uh, of a devastating finishing hold that it's basically the end of uh, the, the match? Well, I mean, I think in terms of holds, yeah. I mean, I think you have to go figure four there. I mean, there are obviously um, other potentially match-ending moves, you know, superfly from the top rope. Um, I'm sure you can think of others where it's not, it's not really a hold per se, but I mean, you are very likely finishing the match with that. But I think if you, if you, if you narrow that down to just holds and then I'm not sure the figure four has much competition. How about the sleeper hold? Is that a hold? Well, yeah, no, uh, you know what? It's interesting you would raise that because the sleeper hold is a hold that, that certainly falls into the hold category. 
but again, it's just a sleeper hold, right? It's not even really a choke. And so, you know, the person goes nighty night, that probably ends the match. You certainly be able to pin, I would hope, uh, any reasonable opponent would be able to pin a an unconscious person. Um, but you wake right up from that, right? I mean, who's really afraid of that, right? I mean, you lose the match, that's not great, but I mean, it's a sleeper hold. Now, the figure four, my friend, you may not be coming back from that. And, and also, for those of you who are interested in how to apply the figure four leg lock and how to reverse it or the camel clutch, uh, please um, contact Brad on his uh, many different social media pages, whether it be the InstaFace, the Facebook, or the uh, or the uh, the TikTok. Uh, so, Brad, finally, we've got our uh, our, our last segment, Time Machine. Mm. Um, and again, it has not won a bronze Stevie yet. Okay, so this is one where we take Brad current day, like modern Brad, not old Brad, not good Brad, bad boxing Brad, none of that. Modern day Brad, he, he gets oiled down in a in a in a baby oil, um, stripped of all his clothing, and he's given one thing, and he's then sent back in time to the day of the Kennedy assassination into uh, Dealey Plaza, into the sixth floor of the uh, book uh, depository, um, and uh, and give you one item my friend, that uh, could help you change history. Um, and that item is not a pair of trousers, to answer your next question. Um, but are you prepared to learn about that item and then talk about what you would do with that item in Dealey Plaza on this critical turning point in uh, American uh, his- history? Sure. Let's, let's see what we got. And he has in his hands a copy paper of the 802.11i standard in Mandarin Chinese. Again, Mm. way ahead of his time, way ahead of his time. No doubt about that. Um, With something in his hands, it's explosive. Uh, Brad, what do you do with that? Well, I mean, it's unfortunate, but I mean, if I'd have had the the 802.11i in Cantonese as opposed to Mandarin, I think all of our worries are over, Uh, but I don't. Right. So, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Now, for those of you who may not be aware, uh, Mandarin Chinese, you actually work from the what we would consider to be the back of the book forward. And so mm-hmm. you have to hold the book properly. But it is also uh, noteworthy that when you print out the 802.11i standard in um, either Mandarin or Cantonese, that's a big book. That's a, That's a hefty book. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's paperback or not. Um, but that's a that's a weighty volume, and so of course I am carrying that carefully. I don't want to make too much noise. Well, Brad, is it uh, is it bigger or smaller than the Warren Commission report with all exhibits? Uh, s- slightly smaller, slightly smaller. Um, it comes in one volume, so uh, you know you do have that going for you as opposed to the Warren Commission, which I believe, my friend, you uh, actually have. Uh, an entire copy of that. Do you not? I have a copy signed by John F. Kennedy, my friend. Not many people have those. No, I mean, that would be something. I mean, it must have been uh, must have been traveling uh, through time yourself, would be my guess. Actually, no. It's a, a friend of mine, a, a college friend, uh, who, whose name, name was John F. Kennedy. Di- different guy. He uh, he also was very successful in the um, in the in the dumpling business. But again, we don't have to go there. So, uh, you know, I think um, I think what I do is I uh, I take a few minutes and just make sure I've got the um, 
I've got the volume properly oriented and, uh, and then I approach, uh, I approach the killer, uh, the alleged killer, of course, um, there in the, now, did you say I was on the sixth floor of the repository already? Or do I have to work my way up there? Well, I said, or? I said, I said depository, not repository. That's something different, but yes, you're on the sixth floor. Lee Harvey Oswald there. He hasn't shot yet. Um, you're completely oiled down with no clothes on whatsoever, but you do have a copy of the 802.11i standard in Mandarin Chinese. Yeah, I mean, the clothes don't matter. I mean, it's, it's neither here nor there. I mean, especially to a guy like Lee Harvey Oswald. I mean, it just, you know, I mean, he's a professional. He can see beyond that. And so I address him. I say, hey, Lee, he of course, turns around and I say, before you, you know, take those shots, you might want to consider what your future would look like if you were the inventor of Wi-Fi. Now, the beauty of that is it doesn't really matter whether he wants to be the inventor of Wi-Fi or not, uh, because at this point, the motorcade has passed. Right. And so the you know, the moment is over. And the benefit of that for me is that I can leave that heavy volume with Lee Harvey Oswald. He can do with it whatever he chooses, because while I'm still in time travel mode, I'm going to get myself uh, to uh, to uh, Cambridge, England. Uh, right before someone who uh, is very important in, in my world dies on that self same day, that would be C.S. Lewis. Now, you know that would be a a date to remember if he did not share the date uh, with the assassination of JFK. So I'll, I am going to handle this assassination issue in the book. Did you say suppository, repository, depository, whatever the yeah. case may be? I'm going to handle that no, no, situation, no. and then I'm going to uh, I'm going to go shake the hand of one C.S. Lewis uh, before he uh, moves on to next, as we say. So you're saying that the way it would end is you and Lee Harvey Oswald, at a, well, a cl- a general, probably at Jack Ruby's club in Dallas with the 802.11i standard Mandarin Chinese and C.S. Lewis, correct? So that's nice. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Yeah, like a gentleman, like a gentleman, like have a Cuddy yeah. sock or two. Indeed. By the Indeed. way, I did hear that I did hear that cases of Cuddy Sark were ordered to the White House of one Lyndon Baines Johnson um, on a monthly basis. But again, I don't even know who we would ask about that. But maybe in a future podcast, someone will come on to talk about it. We can only hope, my friend. We can only hope because those are the kind of historical nuggets you can only find here on IP Frequently. Correct. So, Brad, we've had a uh, once again another great uh show some would call it successful others would not next week we'll uh, talk more about the uh um dog days of summer uh the coming uh, the advent of uh, labor day uh we'll talk about heated driveways who has them who doesn't and how much gd money you must have to have a uh, heated uh, heated driveway um again brad it's been a pleasure talking to you again after a little hiatus and uh looking forward to uh connecting again in a future episode of IP frequently. Indeed, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. 